Welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I am Bill Price. Today we are sampling some delicious, way overpowered beer that I <laughs> didn't realize was 11% when I poured us two giant pint glasses of. And that's okay. <laughs> so this, you could probably gauge the this podcast from the beginning to the end quality-wise, or at least coherence-wise. And that's a fun <laughs> game for you listeners to see if you can figure out what we're talking about. At the end. If we know what we're talking about at the end. Speaking of games, what should we... Let's get into it right away. We yeah, could, go, we could jump right into what we've been playing. And I have not... I was recently a game group for a long... Yeah, the first time in a long time. So I haven't been playing yeah, like two months. much. And so uh, the only games I have played are, are the two games I played with you at game night. Um, but you've probably got more that you've been playing lately I, as well. I, I do. I do. Um and the games that he's going to mention, uh, Kapow, which uh, was super fun. And he totally beat me, even though I've played it like a dozen times and it was his first <laughs> time. Um, you know, so dice. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, but no, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Kapow's um, great. So it's two superheroes. It's a two-player game and two superheroes go head – or a superhero and a villain go head-to-head. And you have like – it's really interesting because it's like um, – Custom so what, dice. Yeah, it's like the, the what we were kind of talking about this before. The thing that's most similar to me is like Dice Masters, where you're rolling dice and collecting dice to attack your opponent. However, what it had some really cool things to that style of play, where there's a uh, the rolling is hidden, so your opponent doesn't know what you're doing until you actually engage each other in battle, and so you can attack or defend. Um, you also have your special power ups and abilities that you can fire off, and a lot of amazing combinations to really like work your character in cool ways and it's always like a guessing game of what they're doing and how you should react to that right and don't play because it's hidden roles and and everything um hidden rolling i guess hidden roles is totally different (laughs) but since it's hidden rolling uh don't play with cheaters or like people you've just met that don't care about you or the spirit (laughs) of the game uh because it's super easy to cheat you could just sit there and just yeah Yeah, you could change all your dice to wild and literally damage again i don't understand yeah whoa (laughs) dice gods are smiling on me yeah don't play with that guy um so last weekend i had the opportunity to play um for the the third time in life but for the first time like playing correctly because i have a problem with the first few times I play a game, I, I miss like one rule or 10 rules, give or take. It's usually tiny rules. So I ended up playing a different game. Uh, but this time I played it for real. And it was um, uh, Great Western Trail, which I would highly, ad- ad- I would absolutely advise anybody who loves heavy Euro games. If you're like, oh, pff, scythe, it's kind of too simple for me. <laughs> then, then this is... Oh, wow. uh, That's yeah. funny. I've never played it, so I always thought <laughs> it was like... So what do you know what the rating is on Borking Gate? Like is how dense Um or just compared to another game is it as like Zulkin level or more? I, honestly, I have it in my it's more complex than Zulkin. So? Yeah, okay. As far as like little minute details and things, um it's strategy-wise it's probably I would rate it similar uh in that it's very point salady. There's like okay. a dozen different ways. The score sheets say it's the first game I've ever played where they give you score sheets that you're like, thank God they gave me score sheets. Yeah, yeah. Because without, I mean, there's like 15 things on it. I think it's actually 12. But 
um some guy in the comments can be like it's actually 11 <laughs> that's fine totally call me out i don't mind actually that um, one is not yeah. really scoring it's more <laughs> yeah. of an advice area <laughs> right so uh yeah um but there, there are literally like 11 or 12 different things you can score so it's total point salad uh very similar uh to to Zulkin. um but it's it's super complicated my uh i and I like it. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't think it's overcomplicated or anything. It's I think it's perfect for what it is. It's a heavy Euro game. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Uh, but my wife played it. My wife has refused for the last year to play, to even look at playing Scythe. Because she's like, that sounds like it's too complicated. And so I never even thought to ask her for this. But I was at a friend's house and my friend asked her and you know she likes to fit in so she's like okay yeah sure <laughs> if she's listening right now she'd be so mad <laughs> well to be fair Kristen is a seasoned gamer I love just, you, this is not her um so she's playing she she agrees to play and we're about five or ten minutes into explaining fortunately i'm not explaining because i had never played it <laughs> all the way through and uh and she's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the hell? Usually when I'm this, when I'm about two or two to five minutes into explaining a game, um, I get nothing but grief because I've invariably missed something. And it's not her. I'm, I'm just bad at explaining games. I, I start out high level and then I go all the way to the bottom level and I miss the middle. And then you so get I'm excited like, about a certain part of the game. You're like, oh, yeah. you guys are going to love this. But wait, this ties to this. This yeah. ties to this. So I'm like, okay, so the the theme is, is an alien invasion. Now, you want to move this particular token. Uh, <laughs> one of the finer points of the game is to actually scoot it over to the left one spot every turn. Because if you remember to do that, then this advantage, and she's like, what? I don't even know what yeah. we're doing. And see this guy, he's really yeah. important. Do yeah. not forget about this guy. <laughs> so what so is that guy? Totally okay, my I'll fault. But that. but she's just like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, that sounds great. And we're playing, and the whole time she's got it. And I'm like, wow, this is so <laughs> neat because she's she's so good at this kind of stuff. Um, she's super duper smart. Uh, but sometimes it, I. I'm so bad at, at explaining games. But in, anyway, uh, she ended up finishing. We all finished very close. I won because, you know, Bill wins. Uh, <laughs> and and it was really fantastic. And I would highly advise. I know I haven't told anyone actually anything about the game, but, you know, that's a board game geek as far. Yeah. 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 No, I, that's that's great. I, I have not played it. I, it's one that I would really like to try. I was actually just going to look up... Um, just I'm curious what the rating level is, but no, I like Kristen is a seasoned gamer. That's funny because, but she also is someone that seems to have a very like def, definite def, defined opinion of what she will like and will not like. And it's like there's enough games she likes, she doesn't need to waste her time with the game she probably won't like. Right, and the reason and I, she I, gave, I totally get that, and she gave me reason. She's like, well, Scythe doesn't the theme doesn't appeal to me, but like cowboys and like selling cattle and stuff that seems cool. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Well, then I guess that's all it takes. She'll play anything as long as it has a good theme, which I'm kind of down for. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like if you stare into the eyes of the weird um, <laughs> character characters on the front of the box long enough, they will convince you of anything. They're, that's such they the, it's are. such the uncanny valley. It's so weird. Yeah. The box art, like most Euros, is absolutely awful. It's so bizarre. It's um, so weird. It's it's fine actual artwork like if you were to frame it and put it up i think it was weird but you know whatever um but i'm not gonna buy a game based on it. i did buy a game based on it but 
Um, it's yeah. Eurogame manufacturers. If any of you are listening, you're not, but it's fine. If any of you want to listen, um, please put, just pay a little bit of money for for good art because that's the problem with you. So many great Euro games, great Euro games. Not even that. Just pay like because the art overall. The, what I've seen in the game is pretty good. It's just that weirdness of the box. It's like. Have, hire your artist, sure. Hire the whatever artist is going, or the artist that works well with you guys. But then hire one guy, one guy whose job it is to be like, this is really weird. Yeah. We should change this one aspect at least. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do a cover that makes people want to buy games. Um, yeah, and and everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. We've all seen like the cover to. Orléans or um, Le Havre or write great games. It's just like, who the hell is that guy on the cover? And why is he looking at me it's like, like that? It's like they do have a guy, except his job is just to say, you know what? More muted. Colors less vibrant. <laughs> I'm getting too excited about it. Seems like Castles of Burgundy. Looks like total garbage, but it's a great game. Super good, yeah. But it looks like total garbage. Oh, yeah. It's so like if I'm sitting there just tame. looking at covers... I would bypass 90% of the best games I've ever played. It looks like a book you'd find in like your grandparents' shelves, and you're like, pass. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, no, gotta, I'm here for the weekend. i got to read something. Yeah, <laughs> that's what granddad hides <laughs> the liquor in, because he knows nobody's <laughs> yeah, going to read that there's book. A, there's a derringer in that book for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Why does granddad have a pistol in here? <laughs> no, you don't ask that, because you'll never exactly. open that book. Yeah, and he knows it. Yeah, he knows it. That's why I put it in there. Granddad didn't raise no fool. Um so okay, so what are we? Uh, what else are we talking uh, about? Well, the other things we played. Well, the things we played at game night were uh, Parade again, of course. Once yep. again, amazing, love Parade, amazing go game. By it. Um, and then uh, Space Base. It was the first time I'd played that. Space Base, which was um, really fun. I liked that a lot. It was um, that uh, kind of a similar me- mechanism of um, well, once again, closest thing to it is is uh, Machi Koro. In a sense, it's different. Yeah. It's a different game, but it's that similar thing where you're collecting. You're yeah. you're kind of instead of building a city, you're building a base, um, and the base does things for you on on your role and on other people's role. It does other things, um, and you can control kind of like what cards you pick up based on your strategy. And so, yeah, I really like that. I, I like Space Base a lot. Yeah, was, but the no downtime. The no downtime is what draws me to it. I the love most. that in the game. Yeah, I, I absolutely do. In my old age, the the thought of spending five minutes without actually doing anything oh, or having God. to pay attention literally just makes me want to go up to the bar and get a shot. Yeah, which is fine, but it's very I think expensive. It literally, does drive you to yeah. drink. Yeah, it, <laughs> like it, the it royal does. you, everyone, everyone, anyone, any person to like be like, well, I guess we'll just yeah kill this beer yep. while I'm waiting for. Yep, you go to the game bar because <laughs> you know that's the thing apparently, and uh, and everyone up there shooting, they are all playing something that has a lot of downtime none of them are playing space space God, i promise it would be amazing you. if there was a bar that just had an active game going at the bar that was just like you did your turn just in cycles of coming up to get a drink <laughs> <laughs> and there was you could tell what people game people were playing based on how often they were hitting the bar and all you do is go up there and just re-up and be like i take my turn real quick one shot for me and i'm back that's our 17 dollar idea there we go yeah no one steal that nobody's yeah nobody steal that Actually, you can. If you just, <laughs> Go ahead. Just give I mean, us honestly, yeah, yeah, just be like a shout out. inspired it's, by. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. We don't we don't mind. Um, but yeah, it's really really neat. It's uh, it's like if Machikoro were fun, or <laughs> if um, Settlers of Catan was more um, space oriented and slightly less random. Um, yeah, because it, it is kind of similar to that, in that like whatever anybody rolls. 
you know, whatever that is, does stuff for everybody or can do stuff for everybody. So it's it's similar to Settlers of Catan in that regard. And Machikoro and Settlers of Catan are the two that I see online it being compared to the most. I didn't even oh. think about Settlers before, but that's a good point because, and it also, that's right though, because it never felt like, because Settlers in all, and you know, like many of us, I was heavily into Settlers for a long time, for a period of time, and I always felt in most of the plays, there was, comes a point where the dice just betray you to right. a heavy degree, and it just gets so infuriating, and even though it's the same kind of dynamic here, it still felt like there was always something that could happen, and I think it's yeah. because you have... Well, because, I mean, your strategy was make sure anything that was rolled, something would happen for you, even if it was minimal. It was something. Yeah. And even when mine was less coverage than that, but I still felt like consistently I was able to pretty much almost every time have something happen. Yeah, take advantage of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and especially, too, it's it's quicker than Settlers, too. So it's going around faster. It is. And so you also feel like the downtime between while you're waiting is a lot shorter. So, yeah, yeah I like to so much and it's also it looks intimidating like you pull all this stuff out and set it up and somebody walks by and goes whoa yeah. hey nerds <laughs> um but it's surprisingly simple like it's far simpler to me than understanding the nuances of settlers yeah like for sure i would rather explain space space three times to three different people than explain <laughs> settlers of Catan to one person <laughs> Or is it even, is it even, is it even Settlers of Catan anymore? What is it now? Just Catan or is it just Settlers or? Oh yeah, I know. I don't different. remember. It's something like that. I think but it's anyway. just Catan though, yeah. Um, yeah, I would, uh, but Space Space is about hubris though, by super. the way, just naming your game, just going by one name eventually. We're so big, we don't even, yeah. you, you know what we Catan. are. Catan. You get it. Yeah. yeah. One day Space Space is going to be like, you know, Space. <laughs> they just claim Space. Yeah. We're just, we're, we're Space. We're you equivalent know? with we're, the concept of we're that Space. Big. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many people, when you say the train game, how many people think that's of true. Ticket to yeah, Ride? That's true. And the name train isn't even in that. But <laughs> if you say the train game to 100 people who have ever played a board game before, uh, 80 of them will say, oh, oh, yeah, you mean uh, Ticket to Ride. That one nerd. You mean 1812? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> like Russian railroads? <laughs> no, nobody's ever talking about Russian railroads. What's wrong with you? Uh, actually, which is a fine game, by the way. <laughs> I'm not disparaging it at all. I did disparage Machikoro earlier, and for that, I, I, yes, I'm disparaging. One of these Machikoro. episodes, we just have, have to 100 full on disparage a game with no, yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's, that's I, I'm not a Machikoro fan. Um, funny story before we get in anywhere else, and this can totally be cut out. I don't mind. <laughs> Speaking um, of not disparaging yeah, a game, get right, ready for that. Right. So, uh, one time at our game group, somebody brought Machikoro. And people are like, oh, yeah, I'll learn to play. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a quick game. Everything online, it's 20 to 30 minutes. Every time I've played it, it's been 20 to 30 minutes. It's not yeah. a long game. Yeah. Um, two and a half hours later, literally, like, we're almost ready to leave. And they're finally <laughs> finishing up. And I'm like, you were playing Machi Koro, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's just really long. I'm like, it's not. Like, what were you guys doing? What game were you playing? Because I, I don't understand like what you could possibly do. I'm sitting there looking at it going, I'm not even sure what rules you could add to it to make it last that long. Yeah. Um, I don't get so it. Well, it was, like, to be fair, it was Big Lights, Big twice. City. And it happened yeah, twice. The first, I was there for the first one, and the second one I wasn't there for. It, but the first one, because I think we were playing Tolkien. 
Yeah, the and first I think we time it happened, it we finished Soulkid first. <laughs> and I was like, hey, what are you guys playing? You playing another game? Same, are you serious? Same that's the same that's, game? That's Majikora. Even Big Light's Big, or big, Light's big City still says yeah. 30 to 45, yeah. I think, yeah. on it. Uh, yeah, and it was just like, what is happening there? Yeah, I, I don't understand. I, I'm convinced <laughs> they were playing completely wrong. Um, but they all insist, no, no, we're playing right. I'm like, okay, all right, I'm not even going to get a try but anyway um so now what's uh what's next um let's see well we could uh what are we gonna get into you know what i want to talk about okay what's up okay so i want to talk about a conversation that uh we had you and i had with a friend of mine larry at game oh Night. yeah 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 and we we've talked about this a few times and i think it's very interesting and um i think that everyone out there can relate and i'd love to hear which kind of gamer you are in the comments if you want to comment uh at least you could rate us you know um <laughs> the very least yeah it's i mean we are talking for you which is such a sacrifice but anyway um we kind of determined and and this is uh a part of this stemmed from an article that i read uh some blog post maybe three or four years ago and I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to mention in the comments where exactly we got this from. But um, it's sort of evolved in our heads over time that there's really three kind of gamers um, right. as far as what they enjoy. I'm not talking about like, you know, alpha gamers or anything like that. I'm talking about where your pure pleasure in life comes from. You know, what... Yeah, what about gaming itself? It, do, do you, you enjoy? get satisfaction out of? Yeah. yeah, and and the first category is the one that I fall into, and that is um, what I like to call the the guy who likes to or girl who likes to learn games more than anything. My favorite run of games is the first time I play it through about the third or fourth time that I play it. After that, I really have this craving to learn a new game. Right. I have plenty of games that I've played 30, 40, 50 plus times, um, and I still enjoy them, and they're great. Um, however, the vast majority of games, I love that that those first few plays, when you're start, starting to learn the game and just starting to uh, get a vibe on the mechanics. You're not really getting into strategy yet. You're just feeling what it's like that to see these new mechanisms come alive and how they interact. You're like, wow, I've never seen that particular piece before. That makes this kind of unique. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're like, you're getting, the theme is fresh and you're like seeing how they express the theme within the game. And and it's for, it's, yeah, it's like the first impression, <clears throat> the first impression and then maybe a couple plays after that. <laughs> but it's also like the first impression where you're just like letting it all wash over you. The designer's vision yeah. As a first-timer, you're just like, oh, everything about this is new and cool. Yeah, and I think that's more the designer mindset. And you could almost call that the the designer type of player who just loves to learn new games. I could learn a new game every day and just be happy. Right. Um, the second type of gamer, which is what uh, our friend Larry is, um, is that kind of fourth or fifth time to about the maybe 12th time or so that you play 10th or 12th time that you play a game so uh once you're past learning it and it's not super familiar and comfortable yet 
but it's that time where you're starting to develop strategies. You're starting to, yeah. to find tactics. You're try- starting to see, okay, um, I'm starting to notice a few trends. You know, uh, I've seen people that do this particular thing early start to get an advantage here, but then uh, maybe I noticed uh, a good time to kind of switch tactics. You start to, to really get the the meat of the game, yeah. you know, that, that strategy aspect. You're not a chess grandmaster or anything, <laughs> right. but you didn't just learn how to play chess. You're a club player. Yeah. But you you're know? excited to try like a new strategy or an augment of your strategy or at least your like yeah. or maybe there's somebody you play against who like wins it consistently and you don't want to play the way they play. You want to kind of like fig- yeah. forge your own path and a way to find another. Yeah, you're experimenting with the game structures. Yeah. To find a way to victory. You're building you're building your identity when it comes yeah, to that game. That's a good way of putting it. And and that's pretty cool. And and there there are a lot of games where I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um and and that's that that does and I can see where people really get into that and how that's that's a good fun piece of it i still i still am a uh i can't get past the learning the game that's my my favorite time um now the third player is where my wife comes in and that starts at about play 10 or 12 on to eternity right right. Um, literally and that that is like the chess grandmaster stage. That's when you stick with a game long enough that you have, I can say, I have a bill strategy. Right. And I, I've played games. You know, I, Catan got me this this way. This, um, uh, I was that way. Um, Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. I certainly have a way that I play. Um, Orléans, there's definitely sure. a bill strategy. And I feel comfortable in saying that's a bill strategy. And people that play with me a lot say, oh, Right. That's you, you're bill, you're billing it right now, right? Because because you you start you you really develop that identity, right? And it, you're not learning strategies, you're defining strategies, and you're you're sticking to them and just putting those fine tweaks on a strategy that you're dedicated to and that you know really well. You're really familiar with the game. You don't have ever have to look at the rule book or do anything weird like that. Um, and my wife. That's where she's by far the most comfortable. And when she gets to a point like that with a game, you do not want to play it with her. Trust <laughs> right, me, I, right, I don't. Right. Uh, I, yeah. it's, it's sick how good she gets at games when she gets to that point. Um, I sort of stay in that I'm developing a strategy phase till about the maybe 100th, 200th play. <laughs> yeah. And then I just never play that game again. If yeah. I haven't figured it out by then, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> yeah, it becomes like matching your strategy within the structure of the game the world of the game against other people's strategies or other people in general so it's like here's what i like and do with this game let's see how that fares against you i'm pretty good at this strategy that i do let's see how it holds up yeah that's the magic the gathering phase yeah, really totally, totally, i mean totally you have those yeah. that you know 18 year olds that have played magic you know 200 times exactly. yesterday i've got my deck i will never not yeah. have this deck yeah um, so where, where, where do you think you fall? I think we're really that? similar. I feel like I'm, I'm the same way where it just, I don't know. It's the draw of the new or a new take or a new theme. Even, I mean, even new, not new. I was gonna say new artwork, but it's not, I guess not that artwork isn't enough, but a new take on the theme of like a, a mechanisms or a, or a series of mechanisms. is always interesting. And I, I tend to do feel the same way. That was a good way of putting it being like hundred plays in still figuring out my strategy. Give me time. <laughs> I'm getting this, guys. But, like, you, uh, and it's like 
there's not that many mechanisms that are used. And so you can kind of get where how things might interplay with the way that this any individual game is going to mash them together. And so you're like, oh, that's cool. I've never seen that put together that way. So I'm going to try to do that. And it's almost fun just playing with the mechanisms um, themselves. So I definitely think I fall on the <laughs> I'd much even with games that I love, I'd much rather try a new game if there's one like someone's like hey you guys want to play this i'm like yes i do want to play that in fact (laughs) (laughs) instead of instead of like re-upping on an old one um but i will say there are points and it's it's funny too i feel like we all go through phases of uh with certain games like there are certain games that you suddenly fall or click with really well and you just love that game and i've never had games where i'm I want to play it all the time, but there are games that I like more than others, and I just happen to be playing them all the time, or they're just like suggest I suggest them all uh, more often than others. That are for whatever reason, I love the max mix of the mechanisms, the theme, and the pace of the game. Just as like great, and I I love it. I'd happily play that game a lot, but I definitely get sick of games games that I love pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's my problem too, is, is sometimes I'll be like, okay, I really enjoyed game A a lot. I've played it five or six times. I've enjoyed it every time. Every time I've played it, I've finished it going, you know what? That was a great game. I want to play that again sometime. But then somebody says, Hey, you want to play game A? And I'm like, well, you know, but I brought, uh, (laughs) I brought these other games we could take a look at, you know, and, oh, and Steve over here brought, you know, insert random game name here (laughs) that i've never heard of that he really wants to play so i mean maybe we could try that um because it's always it's that whole grass is greener thing yeah you're like either i know i'm gonna enjoy this game to 80 percent or (laughs) i might love this game a hundred (laughs) percent exactly this could be the one this could be the one the it one totally, game it totally is that it's just like Where it's I like a search for the grail <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the holy search yeah it's always that quest the quest to find the perfect combination of things i don't know yeah i'm convinced every new game i play is gonna be i'm gonna finally find the game where I never have to play any other game. I'm like, this is what does it <laughs> every time. Everything. Because it doesn't take, it would have to take no time to set up. Right. It would have to be done in about 20 to 30 minutes or whenever I wanted it to finish. <laughs> to four hours. I would have to win every single time. There'd be no teardown at all. And it would have to be really pretty. That's a tar- that's a hard target to hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody's hit that so far. So, uh, but they've come so close. Game guys, if you're listening, get on it. <laughs> I'm looking for this magical <laughs> mix, uh, but I'd probably get bored with that too. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. But you know what's funny? Because the other, when you say that, it made me think of because the other side of this is I've gone to restaurants with you, and you always order the same thing at restaurants, always consistently. Always. So that's an interesting like dichotomy there. Here's my thing with that. If I'm going to restaurant A, mm. it's because I'm craving the one thing I like at restaurant A. Like, <laughs> right. why would I be like, okay, I'm going to take away 100% enjoyment in the hopes that I might find something else that has 100% enjoyment. I already have 100% enjoyment. <laughs> I'm not going to improve on that. Right? So what you're saying is you've, there's yet to be a game that's 100% enjoyment for you. That There has to be a game that has the... Alfredo pasta of Skippy's, <laughs> which is amazingly so good. good. It's so amazingly good. good. Um, 
But yeah, I think that's what it is. And so here's my question about it though: is like, I because I've thought about this as well. Like, what what is that? Is it is it the fact that there are like kind of going back to this? There's so there's not that many different mechanisms out there, or there's a lot of them that are replayed that a lot of people like and we like to see, and they keep they keep reusing them or augmenting them slightly, but it's pretty much the same mechanism. Uh, you know, it's just gaming. Right. That's just how it is. I mean, you're not going to reinvent the wheel every time because most likely no one's going to want to relearn entire new mechanisms for a structure of a well, game. Well, how many first person shooters are there in oh, the video God, game yeah. world? Well, I mean, see, you, you, it's, they're all basically just improvements on the same yeah. design. So exactly. Yeah. It's just graphics and they're like, it's a great, it's like call of duty is like so popular and it's a decent game, but it's the same thing. Every time they release it, it's this literally the same, but they do the, the exact combination of things that they do really, really well. Right. Whereas I don't think there's any two first person shooters out there, um, that are literally identical games. You know, there's all there's something that there's one enough, does better yeah, than another. Separate, there's yeah. one little feature that like, oh, I really like when, you know, Game X does gives me this option over here, but that Game Y doesn't. But then Game Y gives you this other option that other people really like more than but nobody's found like I don't think that there's uh, I still think there's variety. And that's where oh, I for see sure. yeah, yeah. board games coming in is that there are um it is the same combination. It, it it is the same the same mechanisms, but I think it's the way it's put together, um, because there are mechanisms that aren't often paired together. That the the next game you play is like, oh, we're combining this and this. Right. Work your placement with dudes on a map, or we're combining, you know, things that aren't normally thought to go together. And you're like, oh, well, that's really interesting. Yeah, you know, that's true. Here's a worker placement social deduction game. Well, I've never heard of that. I've actually never yeah, I was gonna say, heard I've, of I've, that. I've, yeah. I have not never heard of it. But that. you know what? I would, it would not surprise <laughs> Don't me. Don't take that. That's another one. <laughs> not surprise me. That's like a $17 idea as well. It might be $18, I should think. Yeah, we're moving up. That's not um, the next yeah. level. Um, but that's the, that's the thing that excites me is to see there might be four mechanisms that I've played to death but I've never played them together and they've never crossed exactly the same way that this one does. And you're like, that is so neat. And to me, that's the power of uh, learning a game is you see these possibilities that before that moment weren't possible in your mind. Right. You know, sure. you hadn't thought of it and you're like, man, that is so neat to see something that you're like, I wish I'd have thought of that. Yeah. And, and every time I learn a new game, there's at least one thing I find there somewhere that I'm like, that's really cool. I've never thought of that before yeah. in that context. And, and that, that's what gets me. Yeah. It's not, it's not sitting there rolling the dice and, you know, making the move and, you know, uh, trying out the same strategy for the 50th time in a row, you know, just to see, can I just this one time tweak it enough that it'll counteract what other people are doing. That's not my game, and I love chess. That's that's my weird thing. My favorite game, like ever, and I'm oh, really? outside of anything, is is chess. I love chess. I'm a pretty decent chess player. Um, if I do say so myself, I was in chess <laughs> in club in new. high school, uh, <laughs> but uh, which is you know I didn't have any friends in high school, but it's totally. <laughs> I, I was you know, also. I had club. opponents. Okay, <laughs> that's I didn't what come matters. here to make friends. I came here to crush. Yes. Other people's empires. So, so I, I yeah. don't get me wrong. Like I've played chess probably 
were at triple digits in in yeah. my life. Um, so so I'm not afraid to play the same game mm-hmm. over and over and over again. I'm not afraid to get to that level of I love this game. 500 plays in. I'm not afraid to get there. There's very few games that can get me there. Um, right. But I really just enjoy that that epiphany when yeah. you see the stuff come together in a way that you've never seen before. Right, yeah. And that's so cool to me. Yeah, it's it's interesting too because they I like where even it can be it's the same game but like maybe a, another edition of that game where they've worked some stuff out. And so you thought the game was amazing already. And then they, you play like a second or third edition and you're suddenly like, Oh my God, it's a thousand times better because they tweaked it. They modified their design. The design's more efficient. It's more geared towards like enjoyment. It's like Zombicide and Zombicide <laughs> Black Plague. When they got rid of the rule that every time you shoot into an area that happens to have one of your guys and a bunch of zombies in it, you automatically hit your own guy. Once they got rid of that rule, which it took them a whole different game, oddly enough, um, Zombicide Black Plague, which still same mechanics except for that one rule, and they take place in different settings. But um, that all of a sudden made it a totally different game. Now, don't get me wrong. I never played with that rule to begin with. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew it was wrong. I knew it was there, and I knew that it sucked. Uh, But just uh, something like that... makes it a whole different game and there are second and third editions that uh i mean even look at ti ti3 oh, and God, ti4 yeah. oh yeah nine day you yeah. know if you want ti1 and ti4 okay. are yeah. i'm not even sure you'd classify those as like <laughs> anything related to yeah. each other yeah um, they literally could have been released as separate, separate games. games yeah yeah you call one twilight imperium and the other one like imperium twilight or whatever <laughs> and i would be like oh these games are nothing alike <laughs> Yeah. I own both. Totally different but, experience. Yeah. Totally different experience. One takes 18 hours. One only takes seven. <laughs> yeah. And I'm less frustrated by the end. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It actually it's, works. Yeah. I agree. I don't know. It, it is. It is. And there's so much good stuff out now, too. And so you always want to be trying, like, whatever new take is on whatever. Like, mechanisms, theme, um, combinations of both. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I definitely fall in the same way. I definitely am in that area, but that's where, that's where they get you too. And that's what's so interesting too. Cause I'm really curious to see where board gaming is going to go. Um, I've never, I've not looked anything up about this, but I'm really interested. I'd be curious to see like anyone doing research into how much more of like falling into the very specific categories it's become lately. Cause in the last like two or three years, it's blown up. Like it was blowing up for a long time, but, amazingly in the last two or three years this year i was looking up some statistics actually about it and this year board game tabletop gaming um was like it double or no it it beat video game sales by like a factor of like eight it was just astounding like video game and like it's not close to getting to the monetary level because video game sales are way up there but they have stagnated whereas board gaming is like taking off and it's really interesting to see that how it's going to develop because there's a lot of amazing stuff right now, but it also has the risk of going where video games kind of did, where suddenly you have like every year we have a Call of Duty, we just know we got a Call of Duty, and everyone's going to buy it <laughs> because right. they know they like it and they don't want to think too hard about it. But the thing I think that's a saving grace about it, which came too late for video games, is the fact that you can direct market with Kickstarter and things like that. I think that right. has its own problems, of well, course. Tabletop gaming's what seventy. 
70 something percent of kickstarter oh yeah is it's tabletop insane. gaming yeah it's insane so it's yeah it's ridiculous that is the funding uh, mechanism of choice um but here here's what i think because a lot of i i've heard a lot of people ask hey you know how long can tabletop gaming sustain this boom there's thousands of titles every year that come out thousands right well here's the way i look at it um and i know it, i i know it's don't leave me don't leave comments on this because <laughs> I, I i understand uh these are two totally different uh, realms of entertainment. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to bring up sun flares. And, It'll never no, die. No. The electricity will die at first. <laughs> right. Sun flares of the no. future. So, no. Anyways, all right. So, um, look at books. How many sure. books come out a year? Yeah, true. I mean, literally close to, what, hundreds of thousands yeah, of yeah. books, if not closer to millions of books come out every year. <laughs> if you want to talk saturated, I'm not sure there's a market in the world as saturated <laughs> as books. Is there? Um, I mean, can you think of anything that that is as as just not as books? I mean, video games are saturated, but not nearly books. that. I mean, level, we're yeah. talking books, audiobooks, and you know, Kindle books, I mean, ebooks, any kind of you know literature type thing you'd normally put in under books. Um, it, it's there's so much, mm-hmm. but there are still books that come out and uh, become bestsellers, and there are indie authors that are making you know, six figures off of their books just based on grassroots marketing. Not even, this. we're talking self-publishers, which is a lot of what video, yeah. what board games are seeing now, tabletop games are seeing is self-publishers, especially through Kickstarter and things like that. But you don't even have to use Kickstarter to publish. That's true, yeah. You know, if you're doing in enough volume uh, and you have a, you know, 90-card game, you know, card game, you could get that printed up for, you know, a dollar fifty a game if you do two or three thousand of them. So for yeah. five thousand dollars, you self publish your game. And if you're involved in the community and you're out there and you're you're working the the circuits at uh, you know, conventions and yeah. stuff and you're you're in tune with the board game git community and Reddit and everything else, you you're gonna sell those games and you're gonna do fine. You know, it may yeah. not be able to be your day job. You know, it's not going to be the next Catan, but you know, yeah. you'll probably make your money back. And you're going to have a lot of set. That's what's that is the coolest thing about it right now is the community is still sm- feels really small and, and very interconnected yeah. to it. Amazing, even though degree. it's big, even though it's, it's huge, it's it, amazingly it huge. Feels, it yeah. feels small. It yeah. feels very small, and it feels yeah, it feels very neighborly, and it feels like. Yeah, it feels like a small town in in a lot of ways. So, that that's the cool thing, and that's that will be interesting to see how it develops be, beyond where it is. Because I, I agree, it can definitely get bigger, and there's an endless market to. I mean, there's entire countries that it has yet to hit <laughs> in many ways. Yeah, and can hit in a better way than um, like a video games could hit, which is uh, you know, obviously need a computer to to even engage with that medium. And so you with like books, it's and also the other flip side of that, which I really like seeing, is I, I just like seeing any bucking of like technological trends. <laughs> like yeah. and I just that's one of the satisfaction of seeing video or board games um get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just like, yeah, people still do like to hang out with each other in person over they a do. table. Well, it's made <laughs> like, this huge comeback. Yeah. This whole analog gaming. Yeah, phenomenon. it's a direct pushback. It's like it's yeah. it's definitely people saying, like, yeah, I like to engage. Even and, and it's what's funny too is it's a lot of like um, not extroverted people. It's a lot of introverted people yeah. who don't go out of their way 
to engage with other people that still over a game can really find satisfaction about of just engaging in in a cool way. Well, and that that to me is what what why I think it's so popular amongst the introverted community is is the fact that um, they want. It, there's no introvert out there, and I'll argue this because I'm an <laughs> introvert. There's no introvert out there that wants to be antisocial who wants oh, sure. yeah, to yeah. not socialize who doesn't want that that part sure um they find it very difficult to socialize mm-hmm. and they they find socializing to be very awkward and they might not be into the bar scene they might not like coffee they might not small you know, talk is an enigma yeah it's not <laughs> yeah. something they do yeah. because there's but but they still crave human interaction yeah in one way or another which which was i think why um video gaming was so popular especially once it you know you got into the multiplayer and you know totally. people could talk on the the headsets and everything um and then until everything ended up with like you're a fag and i fucked your exactly. mom or whatever yeah. you know right <laughs> it's just like, racist yeah, middle like, schoolers like, holy cow wow that is right so, there sir. a lot of nine-year-olds yeah. um in the call of duty forums at like oh, six God. in the morning but whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> how do you uh, get up with that much anger in you <laughs> right? jesus christ <laughs> yeah. how do you be that mad that's in the morning what, that's what i'm talking about <laughs> um so but i think it gives those people who aren't quite sure how to really properly interact a way to do that because even when just talking about rules or hey what should i do here or i think i'm going to do this hey that's a really good play you know uh or even interacting about oh well that's not actually the rules you know it's this other way okay well that's still communication and that's still yeah. interaction and it's still it's a way for people to be comfortable who can focus on something else besides the awkwardness of the exchange and by the time you're done with a game you know i've seen people who started off a game not talking to anyone and by the end they're standing up and they're they're you know calling yeah. this out and they're like oh this and they're they're up and uh, you know they're rolling dice and they're excited <laughs> and everybody's excited yeah. and it gets everybody involved and that is that to me is is why tabletop gaming is so successful yeah because it, it pulls those people into and i say those people i'm very introverted myself uh i know it doesn't seem like it all the time but um. <laughs> well that's the weird thing about introverts as well everyone <laughs> thinks like if you're introverted you are just in your house locked in your room all day long every day it's not it's not accurate you know <laughs> you, that's like you said, a hermit you create, yeah, exactly <laughs> that is a, a totally hermit, and they are not real they're in the bible that's about it yeah. um tarot cards and nothing else <laughs> But yeah, exactly. You, everyone craves human human interaction, and it's and it's a leveling. It's a leveler of the playing field too, because you can be a very extroverted person and still it forces you to focus on something as a filter through which you interact with other people in really cool ways. So you can be and there, of course there's shades of gray of any type of person, but um, especially introverted people, you you can be someone who just gets into the mechanisms of a game, just enjoys exploring them. You can be someone who's just determined to win, and that's your be all and end all, or just you just want to hang out. I mean, if nothing else, you just like moving stuff around on the board. It's cool. I I have to say it's great to be around and feel like engaged in the community at this point in it. Um, I don't know. It's 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 curious to me where it's going because it's like it's funny now it's been around 
well, obviously it's been around quite a few years, but it's been in its heyday not that long, and you can already see cycles like social deduction games. They are tailing off. I don't even think it's heyday. I don't even think. You don't I don't think it's hit its peak yet. No, I'd agree with that, but I feel like it's definitely in like the sweet spot before it gets like before it gets famous and everyone knows it. It's in the you know silver I mean? age right now. It's still like it's still weird as a gamer. You can still bring up board games. People are like, oh, board games like Monopoly. Like it's still there every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, everybody yeah. at my work when yeah. I I told them like, hey, this this game design this uh manufacturer no manufacturer this um publisher is looking at publishing a board game that yeah i designed and they're like oh like hasbro <laughs> exactly yeah like no like milton brothers like name one more i dare you i can't <laughs> yeah you're like okay so like a board game is it like monopoly or like trouble i'm like oh no it's, or sorry it's the three l- games that i know it's literally nothing like those things <laughs> like they're not even i'm not even 100 percent comfortable calling those board games sometimes oh, yeah. like those are more like like family games or like like intro family kid games or something I, i'm not even 100 percent sure what to call them but i try and explain to them like more like a tabletop uh, traditional like right. uh, modern find, day find board games going down a rabbit hole of like you could hear yourself talking and be like i can just see them glazing over yeah and they have no <laughs> idea what you're saying so you're like okay never yeah. mind so so truthfully you're trying to speaking, explain more to solve it it's just yeah. getting worse and worse. but but here's the thing though you can say oh i designed a video game to oh yeah anyone instantly gets and they're yeah. like oh oh i get it like call of duty yeah. okay yeah actually kind of just like that yeah that's that's like the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, if you were to say, oh, like Dig Dug on original Atari, <laughs> I'd be like, well, well, no, no, let's, let's go somewhere else and get you out of this cave. You've got to be very are cold. You, are you all uh, right? Yeah. But uh, I've been playing Dig Dug for 40 years. <laughs> but like everybody. I just dug myself out. It was real. <laughs> everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think. In 20 or 30 years, I think everyone's going to react that way when you say, oh, I designed a board game or I have board game group tonight. Yeah. You know, and so I I don't think we're close to where board gaming's going to be. Yeah. Because you could say, oh, well, it's it's a retro thing. People be like, oh, board gaming's retro. But 20 or 30 years ago, there was nothing yeah, it's not like even the games that are out right now. Yeah. Like the games that are out right now, I would not even compare as being in the same family sometimes to a lot of what totally. was out back then. So so I don't think that it's a retro thing. I think it's literally we're just scratching the surface of what board gaming is growing into. Totally, it started yeah. out there. It had a very long ramp up period. I mean, yeah. probably what... Uh, 50,000 years or what have you since the first one. <laughs> like, I love when they the, discovered, uh, did you see that there was like a, this, they recently discovered another, I think it was like another Viking game. Like, I just love when they discovered that. It's like, yeah. and it's like, oh, I really want to know how to play that. Yeah, <laughs> that was would, like that would be 20,000 like, years yeah, ago. That would be like them discovering Pong, you <laughs> know, crazy. in ancient Egypt. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, well, that was the very beginning of, of video gaming. <laughs> you know, back, back when the pharaohs used to play Pong. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. Do you ever watch that Simpsons episode where the aliens abduct the Simpsons and they're they show them all their massive, faster than light travel, intergalactic ability travel, and then they show them Pong, <laughs> and they're super proud of Pong, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we played back in the seventies. <laughs> hey, shut up, raise your hand if you <laughs> invented faster than light travel. Yeah, that's what I thought." <laughs> but it's still, but yeah, it's like it, 
it is interesting because it's there's a similar feel about video games in the 90s. Like if you played video games in the 90s, mm. you were like not an outcast, but you're like oh, that's fucking weird. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you were st- you're you were, still or the there, late there were 80s. no professional exactly. You were gamers. it was a nerdy thing to do, and yeah. like it's not quite there, but it's still like obscure enough where people don't necessarily get exactly what you're talking about, or if you like. Or someone yeah, like, hey, should we play, play a board game? And, and people are like, oh, board game? Like, It's like, no, man. <laughs> I don't mean like a child's game. game. I mean like, let's have some beer and yeah. play an adult board game. <laughs> a game that your children will <laughs> exactly. not understand. You guys want to play yeah. <laughs> You guys want to play Hungry Hungry Hippos tonight? It's like, yeah. it's like, what do you think I'm asking you to do tonight? Right. <laughs> oh, what life do I want? I want to be a doctor, <laughs> drive a Corvette, and live in a shack. Wait, damn it. This didn't work Sorry, out like I wanted. that's life. That's <laughs> yeah. not what we're playing. We're all grown-ups. We already have that career. We already live in shacks, okay? <laughs> yeah, we don't exactly. need a game to tell us that. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I... I because uh, like I was thinking about this today a lot, actually, this topic, and I'm just kind of comparing it to video games. It's like the arc of video games where there's an amazing, there is amazing content in video games, but it's less and less, I think, not original, but the big studios have definitely taken over to the degree where every game they put out is pretty much exactly the same. You know what to expect. It just looks better. The story's not necessarily better. The functionality of like engagement isn't necessarily better. All they have to hope for is that VR is going to solve everything for them. Is <laughs> like if you can be in this Call of Duty, then we won't have to stop. We won't have to think about recreating it. We'll just keep it going with other ways to engage with it. Whereas video or board games, with Kickstarter and the ability to more directly market to people and a hugely excited player base that is very bucking the trend of. Um, just multimedia stuff like the, the the ability to get together physically in a room and play a game over the course over a table is such a cool fun thing to do and it's and it's nice to have that avenue to engage with people as opposed to just getting together for some beers which is fun but everyone in every conversation reaches that stalling point where you're like well i don't know what else to talk about so let's oh, just keep drinking and yeah. we'll just get drunker and then we'll talk some <laughs> talk some other look at this bear <laughs> yeah so it's fun to have that Look at this exactly. How fast do you think I can drink this one? And that's how drinking games <laughs> yeah, started. <that's, laughs> People yeah. getting bored of like, I bet I can drink faster than you can. No, you can't. I dare you. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because I don't think it'll go the same way, but it, it will be interesting to see how it offshoots because I feel like there's even there's even stages you can see. Like uh, like I was saying, like right now, um, like social du- social deduction is kind of not over, but it's like it was a big thing for a while and then it's kind of fading. Yeah. And I'm sure it will come back because it's a great mechanism. But um, but now it's kind of I don't even know what would you say is like, uh, well bag building's a newish thing that's kind of like really cool and fun to way to engage with the games, um, but I'm trying to think of another like larger theme that's coming out. I feel like what's happening though in a lot of ways is the longer games are dying and it's more finding the sweet spot of <clears throat> one one and a half hour ninety minute games. Like I think there's a lot more focus on there because they're more easy to yeah. get to the table maybe. Well, and and that's I, I think that's true um, to to some extent. I think there's always going to be a market for that totally. four hour heavy euro game, um, but I don't think that market's going to grow. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have kind of that same sort of demographic that loves those games, but I don't see that growing but you know what's interesting about that is you see interesting ways to approach that like with seventh continent they have a say that's a that's like a 10 hour game but they have a save mechanism within it 
which right. lets you stop, well, which and is you can, really interesting. You can jump in and out. Exactly. There's you can, rules yeah. for that. So yeah. yeah. So there's like there there are interesting takes on that. Yeah. So they're adapting, but that that traditional super heavy Euro game uh, has its lovers, and it has the people that are literally never going to play those games. Right. Um, the sweet spot seems to be where a lot of games are heading, at least to me, is that almost i want to say kind of heavy filler where it's still only like 20 to 40 minutes so it's still a filler game sure but it it has maybe a little more um a a little more complexity to it than just like you know oh we're gonna sit here and play rummy for a few (laughs) minutes or you you know yeah yeah no so Um, would you like like, can you give it? Would you consider like Istanbul the dice game kind of in that? Maybe at the. I would consider that in yeah. that. It's it's short. It gives you all of the things that you get from Istanbul, but you don't have to play it for two hours. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. And, There's a and lot I, of games that are kind of doing that. And and that's the kind of game where you could bring somebody who's like, oh, I've I played Ticket to Ride once. I liked it. Um, and then maybe they're like, oh, I also play Flux. Okay, well, you know what? Yeah, you can play Istanbul the dice game. Yeah, you know you can You'll play get it. Parade. Yeah. You can play, um, you know, any of these these twenty to forty minute kind of filler, kind of gateway type of games, um, and even heavy gamers will play that. Like you totally. get you get done playing Scythe, and you know I'll get done playing Scythe, and I will, I'll I'll be happy to play you know a couple rounds of Parade while I wait for people to yeah, you know finish absolutely. up their other games or what have you. Yeah. Um. So I, I I don't think that every game that heavy Euro gamer category plays has to be of that genre, but I don't see people playing filler games who are gonna also want to jump into you know three hours of Great Western Trail. Right. So I think that's where the sweet spot is, is because you get the you get all levels of gamers with that particular design. The problem is that's where eighty percent of games are right now. Right. Well, and that's what I was saying. Is like, is it going to stagnate there? Which is what happened. I don't know. I keep bringing it up. It's a good parallel. Which is what happened with video games. It stagnated with first person shooters. Blew up the mold. Like they destroyed it. When half when like, I don't know. I have to go through the history, but like. When those games came out, it was a very satisfying way to engage with a video game, and you could, you could really like follow a story that way, and it was an easy way to design around. I guess that's the best way to mm-hmm. do it, and so and also to market. Like they know it's satisfying; they can depend on it. So it's it'll be interesting to see that because there are games that I love that are like four to six hour games, but I never play them because it's so hard to play them. But I would be so sad if publishers start killing that. whatever division they have or the interest they have in purchasing those games to get to market. But I can totally understand it because most people, that's pretty niche. Even within the gaming community, the majority of games are not that. And how do you keep that alive? Even within game groups. Like if you think of like our game group, we're not doing like uh, TI. We're not playing TI, which makes sense. I mean, that would be obviously more time, but, but anyone like that's a separate thing we have to schedule. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just like, I'm lamenting the fact that I feel like they're being edged out to a degree. It's still popular enough. There's still that market for it or the the interest in it. But I definitely can see that there's no way they're making the money for that because less and less I feel people are upping for it because they're just not going to play it. 
Like I love, I still, I have games that I've never played that I bought that I've never played. And I really like the idea of them and I can't wait to experience that game. Kind of like what we were talking about. I can't wait for that initial experience, but less I'm buying them less for sure. Because I know that I already, a, I already have a catalog of games that I'm never, that I haven't played yet. And I probably won't for a while. I still have to work through them and I just can't buy more. That doesn't make sense. There's other games that I could get two of for the same price of that game. Right. Despite the components. One of the games that I really wanted to play was, um, Zia, Zia, I played once and I really enjoyed that game. Like I was like, damn, this is this is great. I have I also own Firefly and I felt like it's Firefly better designed. Like, <laughs> like Firefly is a long Firefly is a long game and like one of the biggest complaints is it's just fetch quests right. and I totally get that. It makes sense. It, but if you're a big fan of Firefly, it's it's it perfect. But Zia did Firefly's dynamic better. And Zia just came up for a second edition reprint, and I almost backed it, but I didn't because it's like... When are you going to play it? I'm never going to play it. And it's an amazing game. It's got metal coins. It's got It does everything like perfect, everything I love, and I will never play it. So I didn't back it. And I don't know how you offset that, but... But I think there's still... there. there I, I think there will always be a market for that. Yeah, that's, that's um, true. And I think you're going to see fewer and fewer um, bigger publishers go into that realm just for the simple fact that they know they can spend a tenth of the money and sell ten times as many units on a smaller game. So where I think you're going to see a lot of your heavy Euros moving forward is where it's kind of moving, at least the way I see it, on Kickstarter, in that people are... There's a community of heavy Euro game enthusiasts on Kickstarter who back those heavy Euro games. If you can convince them that uh, this is something that's in their sweet spot. Right. And it's usually designed by people who play those games and they have a built-in community and they're like, hey, you guys will love this because I love this and here's why. Um, So they're still going to make enough for that, you know, $20,000 raising on Kickstarter and they'll get, you know, 2,500 units printed or whatever and they won't make much money. They make a couple dollars or whatever. But it's not about right now for them. It's not about how much money can I make on it. Oh, it's, course, yeah. I've really put my heart and soul into this, and I think it's something I really enjoy. And I think these other people who enjoy things that I enjoy are really going to love this. Yeah. And that's where I think you're going to see the bulk of tabletop gaming on Kickstarter go to. I think you're going to see fewer and fewer smallish card games. Uh, smaller games, you know, in that you only pledge $10 or whatever kind of range, um, I think you're going to see less of that on Kickstarter over time because I think that more people are going to be finding niches and they're just going to order games based on on that. And plus, like, if I develop a 65-card a card game, <laughs> I can afford to to self-fund that. Like I can afford to right. get That's a thousand true. of those made at, you know, 80 cents a piece or whatever and go sell them at, uh, at conventions for 10 bucks. I can, right. I can do that more on my own than I could back before. And you could even do like, uh, like on, on the game craft or whatever, um, print on demand stuff where, you know, you, you can say, Hey, here's my, you know, 42 card card game. And it's uh, I'm gonna sell it for twelve ninety nine. Well, it's it's not actually that far off of what you'd find it in a store for, and you make a couple bucks off it. 
And you know what? You don't have to put any upfront cash on it. Yeah. So I think you're going to see more of that. You can't, the cost of some of these heavy Euro games, I mean, if you do the math, you'd be talking about like a $700 print on demand (laughs) game. And you're like, there's no way nobody pays, somebody pays anything for that. But, you know, if you can get 2,500 copies of it made by some manufacturer in China or whatever for, you know, $14 a game, you sell or $25 $25 a game and you sell them for $35 a game. Yeah. You know, then that, that makes up for it. So I, I, I think you're going to see, I think as games become more affordable, smaller games become more affordable. I think you, you may see uh Kickstarter used a little less. I think we're still a few years off because print on demand is still pretty pricey, but yeah. And Kickstarter is such an efficient way to do it. I mean, well, that is also the saving grace too. I and mean, that's a good point about there will always be that community and, kind of tying back this is a good good tie back to the beginning is there is there's always it feels like people want to get deeper and deeper into a tabletop experience like um D has been around a long time but there's a reason why D isn't blowing up like board games are there's i don't know there's some there's some difference there um, within like manipulating pieces and- it's not exactly the same but i think D and D role-playing games in general are experiencing a huge renaissance right oh totally now. oh for sure and i think a lot of it's stemming from people going into from video games into tabletop games and then rolling right into rpgs because it's like a more immersive yeah, tabletop it's the depth experience. of experience and that's kind of what i was saying was like with these deeper games like and i was just thinking i was i was just looking up real quick to refresh myself but the top three kickstarter funded were kingdom death monster <coughs> exploding kittens and seventh continent where the three and two of those yeah. games are deep immersive games so there is definitely yeah, and that one of them drive, isn't really a game and one of them is kind of not a game uh there's definitely that drive to really get in deep into a story in a world in a very like tactile real way so yeah i don't know that does give me hope that does yeah. give me hope kingdom about death the... monster is dark god yeah <laughs> holy cow it's dark yeah. like really really dark yeah like that's some bleak shit um but yeah. I, I see i see why it's but it's, it's a popular. realization of their vision for sure but you're also looking at i mean people even the kickstarter backers that were paying what like 250 300 dollars oh yeah more 500 dollars for some of the, like the deluxe yeah. Kingdom Death Monster when stuff. did that come out? Was that two years ago or is that no? Is that just last year? No, uh, it's been longer than that. I yeah, think I was the say, second. Been... I think the second uh, Kickstarter came out a couple yeah. of years ago. It's been a while. Yeah, and that was good. And so it's like, but you get so much. Oh well, that's stuff. the thing. Miniatures are ridiculous. Oh yeah. Well, and they kind of yeah they were kind of like the um, first placed <laughs> first place plaque for mid- combination of miniatures and game depth. Yeah. People are like, I get it. And on, if you do break it down, yeah, you do get a lot. But it's like, are you going to pay $500 for a game that you rarely ever play? But then again, then, can, then Exploded loyal. Kittens and then Seventh Continent came. And so it's like, there's still that hunger. But yeah. Kingdom Death Monster fans are loyal. Well, they have I to mean, be. There aren't, they're <laughs> of course literally, they are. there aren't that many of them. But in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. But uh, to see what they've done, just on like on Board Game Geek, getting it ranked as high as it has, when you consider how many units it sold as compared to like a side, there's something else. Right. Right. I mean, we're talking fractions. Yeah. You know, uh, but it's still it's such a dedicated community. It's that those are the kind of fans that like you live and die on Kickstarter with. Oh, for um, sure. 
You could put out an expansion for Kingdom Death Monster and raise a million dollars tomorrow. Well, and that's the thing is Even like it sucks. Well, and that's the thing that's the frustrating thing about, especially as someone who buys games not steadily, but on a you know a regular basis, I'll buy games is like you find the downfall of Kickstarters. You just can't get them. You can't kickstart something on demand, and so right. like you've got to wait for it to be up and that you know might you might have just bought a game when that's a game you want kicks up and you're like oh damn it all right well i guess i'm getting this as well but i you know or i'm not getting it i have 23 games right now that i'm waiting on (laughs) that are paid like done finished for at least a month 23 of them your budget on carnivals because I've been waiting for that one so long, but but yeah, exactly. Where it's like you, there's so much, and and, and it's, it's also exciting. Like there's also an exciting part of Kickstarter, of course, which is the waiting game. And you're like biting your nails, like I want it now. And, and yeah, but it will be interesting to see how it develops because I feel like there's going to be something to usurp that, or maybe probably what's going to happen is Kickstarter is going to just become a game publishing organization because yeah. if they could work directly with publishers and work on more on-demand sales, like if you get a certain amount of on-demand sales, let's say 50,000 or I don't know, 10,000, and then you act that starts the Kickstarter as versus to right. um, like whatever the last edition was. But cause that's the frustrating thing like there that, and I'm curious how that it's probably not a bad thing for the community because that demand cre- that lack of availability creates demand or excitement. But it's also frustrating when I would love to play Kingdom Death Monster. I don't know anyone who has that game. I can't buy that game. I can't afford that game. And I don't know anyone that would play that <laughs> game with exactly. me. And I don't have anyone <laughs> who would be up for it on a routine basis. So it's like, I don't know. That's the hard thing about these things. Especially, it's like kind of like Gloomhaven. Like I see Gloomhaven for sale a lot. Because Gloomhaven, I feel like, came at the point where Gloomhaven is, is like number one, right? On Board Game Geek for game. Oh, yeah. But and I'd, I'd be interested in playing it, but I'm not going to buy it because <laughs> I have too many games I need to play already. And there are people um, who already own it. And also, it Gloomhaven's interesting because they sold so much of it. I see it for sale all over the place. Like mm-hmm. people are trying to get rid of that game, and I don't think in a bad way. But you wonder, did you ever play this game? Because I've seen it Gloomhaven for sale, ninety dollars unpunched, and it's just like, okay, cool. What did you actually pay for it? Right. And why are you selling it, even though it's the best game ever, apparently? Right. And it's in board well, game that's, beats that's questionable rating system. Games that I think is kind of is starting its own trend, and that you're seeing more and more of those uh, we call like tabletop role playing game hybrids, mashup, mashup, where yeah. it's. Uh, and I know we're calling them legacy games, yeah. but uh, I think there is a difference between like a Seafall. Yeah, I think legacy, legacy game is way overused and, as a reference. And like uh, Gloomhaven, which you want to look at as a legacy game. But in, in reality, I would call it more of a role playing game with some tabletop mechanics. Yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, and I think that, that that's where. Uh, some some stuff may be moving as more people move into role playing games. I think we're going to see more blurring of the lines there. Um, but back to when you're saying Kickstarter working directly with uh, becoming a game manufacturer, I would not be surprised to see moving forward more of basically the Asmodee strategy, which mm. is by big companies by everyone. Right. So, you know, like in toys, there's like five toy manufacturers. Right, right. You know, there may come a time where you're going to see 
you know, five game manufacturers, and that's going to be about it. And you're going to see a bunch of little studios, but they're all going to be owned by right. one of the big ones. You know, it's going to be uh, like the publishers, the big five publishing companies, books. Yeah. You know, there's they only, you know, 70 or 80 percent of gaming but you're you i think you're still gonna have your indie publishers but i think it's gonna be a lot like uh like the it world uh where you're gonna see people coming up with these publishing companies these little you know two guys in a game games or whatever right right um and they're just trying to get bought I've known exactly. people, I've known, uh, I, I knew a guy whose whole job was basically he would start up companies in order to sell them to Cisco. Yeah. You know, some little IT niche that he would find, yeah. he'd create a company and get a couple of customers to show it as a viable option and then sell it to Cisco yeah. for $150,000 or whatever. And he'd do that a couple times a year and, yeah, you know, that, that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think you may see something like that. I know we're way over No, it's time okay. I just here, have to go to the bathroom. So. Okay, I'm going to take a I pee kinda, break. I, <laughs> I, 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 like, I, I got to really yeah, go. I kind of do, too. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Are we pausing? Okay. How are you doing? Good. All right, good. <laughs> I was like, is that how I restarted it? I'm assuming I just hit pause again. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're both looking at the time, and I think it's... We've done our diligence for this one for sure. We have. We have. So I do. think uh, designers' corner will have to wait till next time. However, I feel like we got into design quite quite a bit here. Yeah, and I, I'm I, glad. I think so too. Glad of the direction we took. So that was our expansive, basically begging someone with Kingdom Death Monster to reach out to us, and invite <laughs> us to play the game. <laughs> the secret, the secret goal of this podcast. Just curious. <laughs> I really would love to try it, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an interesting topic, and honestly, anyone uh, anyone listening who wants to chime in, I'd be really curious about other people's impressions of where they think the industry might go. Kickstarter specifically, like we were, I think we we're you know, kind of talking about just recently about the um, potential for them to become like literally a publishing entity right. in and of themselves, or have a branch of it, maybe I don't know. But it I is interesting to see say where they go about Kickstarter. But I think that that's a whole episode in and of itself. Yeah, we could totally do it. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. That will do it for the Roasted Games podcast today, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See you.